Good afternoon, James. Uh, great to see you and happy new year to you. A happy new year to you as well, Gene. That's always great to see you. Yep, it's the first time you and I are talking in 2023. Um, James, uh, if you don't mind, I would like to bring up one point that is on my mind and perhaps you and I can have a chat about it. Sure. Um, so I would like to uh, pick your brain and, and ask for your view on, on the role of a product owner and more specifically on the activities that he or she um, should be involved with with respect to uh, product teams, with respect to the teams that do product development in large-scale Scrum. And as a reminder to our listeners, uh, there could be anywhere between two to eight teams in uh, large-scale Scrum organizational structure. Of course, just one and only one product owner. So two things that come to mind is that there is something that a product owner is always responsible for. It's called prioritization. And there is also an ongoing never-ending need of giving clarifications to uh, developers, to teams. Those two activities, those two responsibilities, uh, can we talk about them in the scope of large-scale Scrum and the role of product owner? Uh, what are sure. some of your experiences and thoughts in this? So, so quite simply from, you know, less, what does the less, what do the less books say? What does the less canon say? It says that prioritization is to be done by the product owner and clarification is to be done between the teams and the, and the users and customers. Uh, so that's, you know, the book answer. And the interesting thing is to talk about, you know, why that is true and why that leads to the greatest, better adaptability. Why do we get better value delivery that way? Um, the first point is that if you have a single product backlog and you have a single, which helps with whole product awareness and whole product focus and all sorts of other things, um, if you ran everything through a single product owner, it would bottleneck them. And so the only way to get rid of that bottleneck without introducing middlemen is to have the teams directly collaborate with the users and customers. But I think it's also very fair to say that if you want the most creative, uh, uh, useful uh, solutions, you do that by using the, the wisdom of the group as a whole. And you do that by not having a product owner act as a middleman between whoever it is that knows the most about this aspect that you know, some customer who's an expert in some aspect of the, the, the business that can give straight answers to the, uh, uh, to the customer. I mean, sorry, to, to the teams. Yep. Okay. This would be, in military terms, you would talk about mission command, not detail command, as, as I believe. I'm not a military guy, but I believe this is phrased in that way. What you really want from the product owner is these are the more important things from a business level, this is the business problem we're trying to solve. As to the details, leave it up to the teams to solve. And the more that you that you spoon feed them, the more that you disempower them, the, the more they become disconnected from the customer, um, the more they become disconnected from understanding the business. Um, and so that's not good. Yeah. Uh, um, 
And it probably begs the question, if I, if I may just ask you, uh, it just begs the question, uh, a, a PO, should he or she come from business or technology? Specifically, uh, when, you, when, when, when teams need to interact, uh, well. It, it's a great question. So, you know, generally speaking, I would say you want this to be from the someone from the business. You want to be someone who can give you the last word. Uh, that says, yes, you know, I'm accountable for P&L as a profit, as a product owner, and this is what's most important. And if this is a CEO or a, you know, CEO minus one who's in important business meetings, they're not going to have time to do all of this detailed stuff anyway. Right. All the more, all the more reason that you want the teams to be doing this. Mm. But another facet uh, that comes out in, in uh, the books as well is what you really want is someone who is both a technologist and is also a uh, uh, also a business person and through years of experience has become very capable in both this idea of the 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 chief technologist as the business person like uh, the Toyota example where uh, the the guy who's been building cars for a long 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 time and understands both sides and and takes on that role um, that's ideal. But again, it really depends on the product. If I were to ask you, like, I think we have um, this, this graphic that um, I have it handy. If you yes, just sir. ship it yeah. on the screen, right? So, Will do. Yeah. Um, okay, here it is. So uh, what's marked as one through five are the five relationships that uh, surround uh, um, around and about a product owner. Just, let's just take one team setup when there's only one team, one product owner, one product backlog. So though the relationships one through four are pretty straightforward, they're pretty clear. A PO interacts directly with the teams or with a, with a single team. Uh, obviously, they have a direct conduit to uh, high management and to users, customers that they represent. Number two is um, the coach-coachee relationship with a Scrum Master, a Scrum Master being the you know team uh, coach and shepherd. Uh, what's stressed out here, what's really emphasized is number five with explanation, uh, explanation uh, mark. It's the thick dotted line between customers and or users and teams. So this is the uh, communication channel that is responsible for what you'd refer to as clarification. So we want as much as possible for clarification and detail um, to flow directly from customers and our users, depending on whether it's internal or external product development, uh, onto teams and uh, backwards. Uh, if you could also... Uh, you know, That's what I was going to say. Yes, you have this other diagram which kind of zooms into that relationship. Yeah, so if we take a look at that one, so we kind of zoom into number five, onto the number five relationship. Now, unless we make um, a clear delineation between prioritization and clarification, we are going to put a product owner in a very uh, tough position where, where, where she would have to serve so many developers and so many teams, two to eight teams in large-scale Scrum, essentially working uh, 100 jobs for the same paycheck, um, diluting her attention everywhere on details and, and you know, trivial stuff that is probably uh, not where she needs to focus her attention. And this is why it's so critical, so imperative um, at least if you want to scale, if you really want to scale, not just in, in spirit and words only, but actually in action, you need to elevate a PO uh, with her role 
and set of responsibilities to the point where she can focus on strategy, mission, and vision, and uh, delegate uh, communication that goes directly from users and, and, and our customers uh, on, one on one hand and developers on the other. So number five, relationship here becomes super critical. And I will just probably throw it back at you and ask, what do you think uh, it means for these purple uh, little figures for the teams? Um, I, I'm going to anchor this a little bit. Should they or shouldn't they be savvy and versatile enough to be able to speak to users? Because that's usually a dilemma for many companies. Oh, our techies cannot speak to users. Uh, yeah. The way my experience is, the way that you become better at communicating with people is by communicating with people. <laughs> Funny. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> and, and so... Uh, and most of the engineers I know are very intelligent people and they're very capable of communicating. And even if they struggle there, um, they're very capable of learning and growing and becoming, becoming stronger. Uh, and people can help each other. And I, I also think that it's not completely unreasonable in a, uh, in a private context where you have, your users or internal users, it's not at all unreasonable to ask that the business learns to speak to engineers as well. This isn't necessarily should be all on the engineers uh, on the team or, you know, the uh, developers on the teams, the team members. I think it helps if the, uh, the business people help make that bridge as well. And if indeed there is this big distinction between the natural abilities, the innate uh, aptitudes of the type of people that gravitate to these different roles. Well, then certainly, if that's true, and I'm not positive it is true, the people on the business side, they're supposed to be the, the people people that are very communicative. Well, you would think they would have the skill to, to uh, speak intelligibly to the engineers Sounds and like, not just be intimidated by them. Yeah, and so what brings what, what another a thought that comes to mind is that if um, if if an organization is wired, I call it backend wiring. If it's if it's designed in such a way that there is a clear delineation, hey, we're on technology side, we're there, we're literally purple figures, and you guys are and gals are yellow on the other side. Uh, us versus them, uh, sort of like contractually bound. Then this. Uh, opportunity for direct communication and information, free information flow will be hindered. And then what happens, what will most likely happen is that because um, purple figures do not trust yellow figures and yellow figures do not trust purple figures, they start introducing command and control sanitary level, uh, layers uh, to, uh, to funnel discussions to, um, you know, just to add more, um, you know, Handoffs, and as we know, with handoffs and with additional cues, we drop um, on cycle time. We increase on cycle time. We drop on quality and accuracy, and many things go south, basically. So we create these unnecessary artificial organizational layers of translation. Um, also, if we start with an organization that already has these layers, the whole idea of yellows talks to talk to purples. It, it's nothing but an idea, on paper. So, Gene, I had a, a devil's advocate question. Yeah, sure. Which is, well, 
why wouldn't we simply have a few more requirement areas? Um, wouldn't that be better so that product owner could do more of this clarification? What's wrong with that idea? Now, you and I, as trainers, have very strong yeah. opinions against that, but I want to let you respond to it. Well, I mean, uh, the, 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 a good reason for a, a new requirement area to grow is when we genuinely have exceeded what's what I refer to as uh, mental or intellectual capacity of a product owner to focus on strategy and vision and mission. If we ha truly have exceeded that um, you know, capacity, that limit, human limit, then we need to think of another requirement area, product requirement area. Um, until then, if we try to compartmentalize and segment every little um, so-called area into a requirement area and call it less, we'll just be fooling ourselves because uh, most likely we're just trying to introduce BAs and, and BAs or SAs. And uh, the reason why it happens is because with an expectation that a PO needs to be a jack of all trades, humanly it's not possible, physically it's not possible. We'll start introducing middle layers. So um, you know, a requirement area gets erected, gets uh, stood up for good reason at a certain time under certain conditions. But with today teams with a relatively uh, you know, ring-fenced um, product, uh, this, this should be solved not by adding more people the already complex structure, but actually reducing complexity by reducing layers and bringing Gemba, where value gets created, to um, to you know where where it gets consumed. So proximity between Gemba creation and get a Gemba consumption should collapse. And and simply introducing a requirement area reduces adaptability. Correct. That it's, that one it's a it's a lesser evil that you do when you have no other choice. It's a yeah it's um, a lesser evil indeed. Yeah. So Gene, we've got a wrap. Uh, this has been wonderful. Um, I agree. Thank you. Uh, so this is available on both of our LinkedIn channels as well as our individual uh, uh, YouTube channels, as well as on uh, podcast, including uh, Spotify has the video. Uh, thanks again and uh, hope to see you next time. Thank you very much. All the best. 